It is a tremendous privilege to be here. Uh, I told Chuck that uh, I, I wonder how he dared to invite me, but <laughs> here we are. You know, and since it is my very first time to speak to you in this church, I have to start with Dr. Kedet Joseph Foreman. He was one of my teachers at Reformed Theological Seminary there in Jackson, Mississippi. That's the reason it's difficult for you to pick up my accent. <laughs> and Dr. Kenneth Joseph Foreman was a missionary in China and later in South Korea. And he was taken prisoner by the communists when he was in China for about four or five years or even perhaps longer. When he was released, he came back to the United States. He studied even more, and he went back. He, he was very valiant. I wouldn't go, go back, you know. Well, as a result of his imprisonment, Sometimes when he was teaching to us, we were 50, 60 perhaps, perhaps a little bit more. He was talking, and all of a sudden, he would stop in the midst of a sentence and look at, at the corner. Could be that one, could be that one, could be that one. And sometimes it took him a few seconds, sometimes more than a few minutes. And all of a sudden, he will continue in the same sentence to finish the sentence. Okay? But I, what I really want you to tell about, besides that he was an outstanding teacher, was that one day he told us that he went to to South Korea after so many years of not being there. And he didn't want to, to speak with people, especially teaching or preaching. He just went as a visitor. And he recognized his Korean was very rusty. He wasn't able to be flu fluent, you say, in Korean. So he waited till the worship service was about to start, and he is sneaking at the very back, and he sat down right at the back. And if you know, the, you have seen pictures of Korean churches, they are usually very large and like a train, you know, no, not this spread like this one. So he wanted to be anonymous, just hidden at the back. But when the pastor came to he recognized him. And he said, you know, we have a special gift today. <laughs> God sent us Dr. Kenneth Joseph Foreman, our dear brother. So I will not preach you today. <laughs> and he went down and he took Dr. Joseph, Kenneth Joseph Foreman, and brought him to the pulpit. And he said, brother, preach to us. 
And he went and sat down. Dr. Joseph Foreman, Kenneth Joseph Foreman was perhaps more nervous than I am now. Uh, and he didn't know what to do. And he, he was conscious that his Korean was, was gone. So, so he, he said, what, what shall I do? And he said, well, I can read Korean. So he opened his Bible in John 3.16, and he read in Korean, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And he thought that after reading that, Korean will come and he will be able to preach. But nothing, he was blank. So he said, I, I, I will read again. So he went again. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only song, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Blank, nothing. And he said, Lord, please help me. What can I do? He, he, he wanted the earth to be open and be swallowed. <laughs> and he said, well, I will try once more. This time very slowly. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, and he finished very slowly. And to his amazement, a Korean man jumped out of the seat and came to the front and knelt down. And he started crying, Lord, forgive me, I am a sinner, I am a sinner. And then one more. And then another. And many people came and knelt down, crying for forgiveness. And Dr. Kenneth Joseph Foreman learned that day that it is not the preacher. It is the word of God. And because I knew that story, I dare to stay here. Because, you know, I am, not, I am not the key. It is the Word of God. So, today, I have so many things to do. And you were not prepared. You did not brought your sandwiches and things to eat. <laughs> so, I, I, I will try to be as brief as I can, I promise. So, I will present you three things. After reading the, the word, I will present you three things that I think prevent us from preaching the gospel. Three reasons for not preaching the gospel. If you please, let's read what is printed in the bulletin. In the first book of Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. 
He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proof, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Let us pray. But at this time, please do not pray for me. Do not even pray for your pastor, although he needs a lot of prayer. <laughs> Don't pray for the people you love, your spouse, your parents, your daughters, your friends. No, no, no. Pray for you. And tell the Lord now, Lord, here I am. I have read your word. Please show me who you are. Show me what do you want me to learn. Don't play the games that we usually play Play when, when we are at church and somebody's praying and he says something significant and we say, hey, that's for you. Okay? No, just pray for you. Okay? Let's pray very short. Heavenly Father, you have promised that your word will not return to you empty. Please, please, fulfill your promise and teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. My brothers and sisters, the first reason I think we do, are reluctant that we do not preach the gospel is this. You do not believe Jesus is alive and that he has received all authority. You see, there is a figure in psychology, perhaps by philosophy, that is named the will not to believe. The will not to believe. And you have experienced sometimes that you are sure that you, the keys of your car are here, right? And you introduce your hand, no keys. 
So you look here, no kiss. And you look here, no kiss. And you look here, no kiss. And then what do you do? You go back to the first pocket. <laughs> because sure, they were supposed to be there. And then you go to, again to the next. And you do the three, four times. Why? Because you have the will not to believe that the keys are gone. So no the place, you know, but they are not with you. Well, if you investigate a little bit, during the Second World War, there was something like that. You remember that the Nazis placed concentration camps, and they did horrible things to the prisoners, even experiments that I have no time to describe. But you can investigate that, or you can invite me to lunch, and I can tell you. But now, you see, people started telling the allies, these Nazis are evil. And they would say, no, 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 no. This is only political talk for us to get involved into the war. That's not true. But people kept telling them, these Nazis are evil. But people would not believe. And they say, okay, bring us some pictures. And risking their lives, they took some pictures. They smuggled the pictures out of the concentration camps and showed the pictures to the allies. And they say, no, this is doctor. This is made up. People cannot be so horrible. This is not true. The only way we are going to believe is you bring one or two prisoners that have experience, that have seen it firsthand. So again, they, the resistance or whatever it's called, they produced two or three. And they were interviewed lengthy. But they say, no, these people have been brainwashed. That is not true. And they would not believe because they had the will not to believe. When did they believe? When finally they entered the concentration camp, and I can remember it was Patton or one of the top generals that opened the ovens and saw the remains and they started throwing up. It was then when they believe. So you see, you do not preach the gospel because you do not believe that Jesus is alive. Because you have the will not to believe. You belong to the Thomas Didymus party. You remember that Thomas was told Women told him, the apostles, the disciples told him, but what Thomas said, I had to see, I had to touch, I have to introduce my finger in the wound. 
Jesus is alive. And what we read says very clearly, you underline it if you have not. He pre- verse 3, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days. The fact was with them. In verse 4, he says, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem to wait for the promise of the Father. You see, it was clear that Jesus was alive. But even today, there are people who do not want to believe. And if you are in that party, I beg you, the only way that you can be healed is to go to God and tell him, God, I cannot believe. I have no time to tell you my story, but I departed from the church when I was 18 years old. I'm a son of an excellent pastor and a godly mother. But when I was 18, I decided this is not for me, this is not true. When I was 36, the Lord had mercy on me, and he brought me into the kingdom, and I was screaming and, and kicking, you know? I didn't want to come. I am glad that he did, even though the journey hasn't been always pleasant. But you know, only God can heal you. You cannot. So go to him. Now, the authority that Jesus has been given is complete, is total. You can go later to your home, and when you go, check again Matthew 28. And he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And the reason he went is to make a closure to the earthly ministry. But now he's not vacationing like in Cancun. He's busy working. And he's busy praying for you. He's busy praying for me. And he's busy interceding with the Father. When I sleep and the Father is frowning, perhaps, Jesus comes and says, Father, I died for Moses. Forgive him. When I am weak, Jesus pleads to the Father and says, Father, strengthen Moses. He's always interceding for me. You see? But we have been so permeated. He con- we have been so conditioned by the current philosophy that the only thing that is real is what you can see, 
what you can smell, what you can touch, you know? So what is spiritual doesn't exist. That's a big lie. Unfortunately, many of us have fallen into that trap. But you know, we need to move quickly. So the second reason we do not preach the gospel is you do not believe the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit, much less that he has come and that he is within you. When you go and shave yourself, or when you go and you draw the lines of your eyebrows, you don't see the Holy Spirit. You see a regular woman, you see a regular man, right? And somehow skips to you that the Holy Spirit has come and the Holy Spirit is within you. But you see yourself and say, what can I do? My strength is only to lift this. I'm with difficult. Because we do not believe the promise of the Father, and we do not believe that it has been fulfilled. But you know, God, our God, is a God that always fulfills his promises. Always. He said to Adam, you know, you can eat everything that is here, but you shall not eat from the fruit of the knowledge, you remember, of good and evil. But somehow, Adam did not believe when God said, because if you eat it, you will die. Surely you will die. And we know the story. You can go and review Genesis, and you will find a wonderful chapter that it says a name, and after the name he says, he died. And another name, and then what? He died. And then another name, and what? He died. What? Why? Because God always fulfills his promises. But somehow, we, we have lost grip of that, you know? In Genesis 12, he spoke to Abram, Abram before he was Abraham. He told him, go to the land and I will give you a great number of children. Did God comply or not? You see? Why? Because he always fulfills his promises. And then Jacob was in trouble because there was no food to eat around. And God comes to Jacob and says, do not fear to go down to Egypt because I will go with you. And you know, I will bring you back. And then we have the wonderful book of Exodus. Why? Because God always 
fulfills his promises. Just think about that. To King David, he said, I will establish your throne forever. And in Joel, he says, I will send my spirit in the last days. And he has fulfilled his promises. Dear brother, dear sister, if you do not believe still, please tell God. Tell God, I belong to Thomas Didymus. Open my eyes to see that you have fulfilled your promise and the Holy Spirit has come. Even more, open my senses so I can understand that the Holy Spirit is living within me because that's the promise of God. But time goes fast in this church. But the third reason we do not preach the gospel is because you do not believe that kingdom is a spiritual kingdom instead of a political one. If the kingdom were political, you would be engaged, marching, sending letters, phoning, giving money, you know? But this kingdom, you don't see it. So you don't give money. If you give just a little bit. You do not pray because you don't see the church moving. You see that the church is kind of stagnant. I remember that one of my teachers, personal face-to-face in classroom, no, not just by video, were the wonderful R.C. Sproul. And one day, as he was teaching us, I raised my hand. And usually, when I raise my hand, the teachers uh, chose others. <laughs> and he was no exception. And finally, when, when everybody had expressed what he wanted, finally, that was my only hand there. And he said, OK, Moses, what's, what's, what's your problem? And I said, Dr. Sproul, I want to know one thing. What is the plan of the church to conquer the world? And if you know Dr. Arsis Sproul, before you complete your question, he knew the answer. But this time, he, he used to walk like this from there to here and there. Uh, we were here, okay? <laughs> and he, he was quiet for a while. And he said, I do not know. I don't know. And I said, Dr. Sproul, forgive me. Don't you know or do you not want to tell us? <laughs> and he said, Moses, I don't know. And being the sinner that I am, I told him, how can you be a doctor and don't know? 
And he said, well, perhaps I don't know because there is not such a plan. Ars is Prol from Moses. <laughs> but you know, I hope that today, if you are that kind of Christian who think that you are to be kind of those plants that are kept in a, a small basket or something, please correct your thinking. Correct your thinking because Jesus is alive and he has given all authority. And correct your thinking because he, the promise of the Father has been fulfilled and the Holy Spirit is here and is within you. But also, correct your thinking, the kingdom is spiritual. And sometimes you will not be able to see the results. But that does, doesn't mean that the spirit is not working. That doesn't mean that the church is dead. You remember Ezekiel, the bones, okay? What is important is that God is alive and that he fulfills his promises. And then you can go with the spirit of God and then preach the gospel. But again... We live dominated by the philosophy of this world that we have to see. And if they were political, we would be happy because we would change the laws. But you know, Israel had wonderful laws. No other nation better laws than Israel. And what happened to Israel? And thanks to God, that because Israel failed, now we, you and I, are the new Israel. And we cannot have the luxury to fail, because at least I don't know of the third Israel. You see? We are the new Israel. And our task is to preach the gospel. But let me finish with this. And I am taking extra time because such is life. <laughs> if you do not preach the gospel, there is one single reason after everything that I have said. My friend, you are not a Christian. As easy as that. You see... When you go to your home, review Genesis chapter 1. And it is said very clearly that when God created this world, he created first the vegetation, remember, later the animals. But in every case, he said that they supposed to reproduce after their kind. So if you're a Christian... It is inevitable, you say, not to reproduce. So if you're not reproducing, it's because you are not. And you can be deluded. 
in chapter 7 of Matthew, in Luke chapter 13, you will find people who come to Jesus and say to Jesus, in your name we have done this. In your name, even miracles, right? And what was the answer of Jesus? I don't know you. I do not know you. My friend, I beg you, abandon Thomas' party. I beg you, my friend, cease to be only seated at the church. Because if you are only seated at the church, if you belong to the Thomas' party, I dare to tell you, you are not a Christian. Perhaps that's the reason the Lord sent me today here. So you may review your status. And if you are there, remember that Jesus is waiting for you. God is waiting for you. Don't delay. And tell him. He will not struck you with a light. Tell him, I do not believe in any of that. And he will embrace you. Just remember, Jesus is alive and he has received all authority. Remember that the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit, has been fulfilled. The Holy Spirit is with us and is within us. And remember that the kingdom is spiritual and we are witness of Jesus. And remember, if you are not a Christian, today God is giving you one more opportunity. And remember, if you are a Christian but you are lukewarm, you say, today throw out your lukewarmness. Put it aside. And ask God to fire you up. And you will see that your life will be different. You will see that Christianity is fun. You will see that Christianity is power. You will see that Christianity is something alive. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, you have promised that your word will not go again to you, return to you empty. Please fulfill your promise. And open our minds, open our eyes, spiritual eyes, open our hearts. And mold us in the way you want us to be. And to your glory, and to your glory alone. In Jesus' name, amen.